Our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John in that 21st chapter. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Children, you have no fish, have you? No. Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tightened his fishing smock, for he was scantily clad, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there and fish on it and bread. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask Jesus, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because Jesus said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we need your strength. We need your word. We need your love deeply embedded in our souls. We need to know that you love us. And you give us purpose. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have to be honest and say 
that over the last 25 years of the weddings that I have done, not many stand out that I truly remember. But there are some that I remember more than others. For example, the time when the mother of the bride had the wedding rings and forgot them at home. And it was a half an hour home and a half an hour back. And that organist made their money that day. And then there was the time when the groom completely lost the marriage license. Signing a marriage license is the only legal way that people are actually married. It doesn't really matter to the state what I say. He found it about five minutes before the wedding. One of my most memorable weddings was that of my niece, Jessica, whose father, my brother-in-law, decided that he would stand next to his daughter and make funny faces. Of course, nobody could see the funny faces but me. And he was intentionally trying to get me to mess up. And mess up, I did. I managed to get my niece's name right, but when it came to saying her fiance's name properly, I totally messed it up. I had the first name where the second name was and the last name where the middle name was. It was a mess. Everybody laughed, especially my brother-in-law, who had succeeded in making that wedding memorable. What would happen if I came to the part, the I do's, and I said to the woman, Elizabeth Ann Simpson, do you take Eric Gerald Smith to be your husband? And again, I said, Elizabeth Ann Simpson, do you take Eric Gerald Smith to be your husband? And again, I said, Elizabeth Ann Simpson, do you take Eric Gerald Smith to be your husband? And then I did that the same for the bride. I'm not sure what they would think, but they would remember. I was thinking about this when I read the passage from John, Peter, do you love me? Now, the first time that Jesus asked that makes sense. The second time that Jesus asks that, we may start to get a little uncomfortable. The third time, the text says that Peter was hurt. But who wouldn't be? It's uncomfortable to even read. So why does Jesus do that? Why in this resurrection story when there is abundance and there is joy and Peter has just jumped out of the boat and swam through the sea to get to Jesus, why does Jesus back him up against the wall like that and cause him that pain? Well, in order to understand, we know that we have to remember back to the night when Jesus was arrested 
And Peter followed Jesus and the soldiers, and he sat by the fire to see what would happen to Jesus. He wanted to be close, but not that close. And yet, when people started to accuse him of being one of Jesus' followers, Peter was terrified. He had said to Jesus, I will never betray you. But in his fear of being on the cross next to Jesus, Peter said, I do not know the man. And a second time, he said, I do not know that man. And a third time, Peter said, I swear to you, I do not know who that is. And the cock crowed, just as Jesus had said. And do you remember the text? Peter wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? To do any less would be to ignore a wound in Peter's soul, a wound that had to be acknowledged and brought to light for Peter to heal. For every time that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus is giving Peter the opportunity to confess his love. By the third time, you know that I love you. I think that Jesus might have just held Peter while they wept. This time, not in shame, but in relief for the grace of forgiveness and acceptance that Jesus has given him. So what a beautiful story that Jesus will do what it takes to heal our shame, our wounds. This relationship is restored. What wounds do you have? What shame. Know this story. And know that Jesus heals. And more than that, or in addition to that, this frees Jesus and Peter for Jesus to say, now go and share that love with others. Be a shepherd. Tend my sheep. Out of that wholeness, go. And it's a way forward, isn't it? Because Peter has just been hanging out, saying, I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus said, no, you are not a fisherman anymore, Peter. You are a shepherd. You are to go out and make a difference in people's lives on the ground with them. It's Peter's way forward, and it is our way forward as well. We have heard God calling us to go deeper, deeper into our faith, into our spirituality, into our relationships. 
The third dimension of our plan is our commitment to our faith, our commitment to leadership. And I know that some of you are going to say right now, stop. I don't want to be talking about leadership in the church. I do enough at church. Or, hello, Molly, I'm at worship. <laughs> Go deeper? But what if going deeper doesn't mean one more thing on our to-do list? What if it's not about creating more stress? Not about exhaustion, but is about becoming more whole, more healed, more alive. This is a passionate congregation. And maybe you want to be a part of a group to read Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail and how his faith gave him strength to change a nation and learn about the ways of Jesus and the commitment to nonviolent resistance, maybe that would heal your soul or you would be able to hear God's call to feed my sheep. With one less pastor, we as a congregation must decide what are we really committed to doing. We may only have two pastors now, but we have more than 500 minister members. And God is calling each one of us Feed my sheep. You know what Pastor Eric and I love more than anything else? Helping, teaching, training you to be spiritual leaders. Eric and I love teaching you Bible study. Eric and I love teaching you how to pray. It is our passion to teach others how to read so that they can teach others how to read the Bible and do critical biblical criticism. It is our passion to pray with you and for you, but also to teach you how to pray with and for others and for yourself. Because faith is contagious and we like being the ones who start that contagion and see it spread. We're talking about working together as teams. It's not just another word for a committee. Committees are formed by session from the top down. Teams rise from the bottom up, and they are the best. Teams advocate for the prevention of gun violence. That's a team that rose up 
A team rose up to resettle refugees. A team rises up to do Bible study. A team rises up for the men's spirituality group. Nimble, creative, spirit-filled, life-giving. Feed my sheep. The strategic planning folks have also gone as far as wondering about what we expect of people when they join the church. And what do members expect to get out of being part of a church? It's going to be different. It's going to be a more intense process. Now, when people join the church, we ask them, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Which is a way of saying, Peter, do you love me? And we ask them, will you participate in the worship and mission of the church? Another way of saying, Will you feed my sheep? But what if, instead of asking just once, we asked, do you love Jesus Christ? Will you help feed the sheep? Do you love God's incarnate love? Will you join us in tending Jesus' lambs? Do you love Jesus Christ? Will you commit to feeding the sheep? Maybe no one would join. But if they did, We'd all remember it. We would all remember the power of the promises we made that day. God is love. And those who abide in God abide in love. And God abides in them. Amen.